More than three years ago, Trevor Mori and I created a blog devoted to the sharing of opinions in a positive space. Trevor is now well on his way to becoming a doctor. He hosts a podcast called This Clerkship Life, committed to helping medical students cope with the rigors and added responsibilities of clerkship. Most recently, he returned from Tanzania, where he volunteered at Together We Can, a women's center NGO located in Moshi. My name is Michael Bradburn, and I am a humanities graduate. Through a passion for baseball and statistics, my enthusiasm has gotten me published on sites such as SB Nation, Baseball Prospectus, and Sports on Earth. I have made appearances on 99.5 Paducah and Beyond the Box Scores In Play podcast. A little while ago, I came across a quote from Bill Nye. Everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. Together, along with you, we're going to test that. This is Real Small Talk. Hello and welcome to Small Talk. My name is Michael Bradburn and I'm joined here as always by Trevor Mori. What's up? It's Real Small Talk. Real Small Talk today. And we're here with our guest, uh, editor for Pinstripe Alley and writer for BP Mets. That's a baseball prospectus team site for the New York Mets. Andrew Mearns, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? Wonderful. We're doing well. Um, Good, good. So we wanted to chat today... uh, I suppose a, a lighter topic, I guess, just in vague terminology. What what was your topic about? So I would say my topic is about being comfortable with yourself, doing things on your own, sort of being able to do these, like, do things that you might not think that you're able to do just because I feel like a lot of society sort of pushes you toward doing like needing to be in a group to do activities where you don't always need a group. It's okay to like go out and uh, go see Rogue One by yourself if you really want to go see. You don't have to wait for other people. You can you know, do things on your own. You can go to concerts on your own. And you can do all these other sorts of activities and just sort of like accepting that this is, this is something that's okay even though there feels like there's a kind of a vague stigma against it. It's not as though society is saying like you have to do this, but... Like, there's just sort of an implication about that. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think that comes from? I guess it just kind of comes from, like, like, I guess humans, like, like <laughs> enjoying each other's company. I mean, and I don't, that's not to say that I don't enjoy people's company at all. I totally enjoy friends and everything about that. But I feel like you don't really often see people just doing things on their own that they don't have to. You know, like other than maybe like air travel or like moving around or stuff like that. But that's its own entity on its own. So it's kind of unclear how how we kind of like got to this point. Because I feel like maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, like people will just go to bars, you know, like on your own. And like you just like meet people there. And that was that I guess that was your social network because, you know. Uh, there wasn't like an internet or a Facebook or Twitter, or any kind of community like that. You went and met your like new people at the bar or like you went and hang, hung out with friends and you called with the telephone, with the landline, you know, <laughs> to like get together. So I don't know. I guess it's just kind of like the way 
the we've evolved the technology that way perhaps yeah interesting and like going out for dinner like you why can't somebody just go to a restaurant by themselves with like a nice book or something and read while they eat something nice i don't know yeah i guess you sometimes will see people doing that with like coffee shops maybe like i think people are more okay about like just going to like uh like a starbucks or a local coffee shop just like do work and hang out there and whatever but i guess it's just a little bit different like doing like going out to dinner or going to do other activities on your own yeah so i guess there's a couple angles Uh, first of all so when i was in university uh uh, a mall happened to be really close to me like walking distance if i wanted to grab food and occasionally i wanted to grab like proper restaurant food so i do get that and i didn't have very many friends on campus not that i was a pariah or something Mm -hmm. um so i i went to the restaurant and i would have dinners for one or whatever and I never, I never felt lonely, but I guess I felt judged. Do you have, like, do you, first of all, do you go for dinners by yourself? Second of all, how do you feel? Do you feel judged? Do you feel alone? How do you feel? Well, I feel like it kind of depends on where you're going to sit. I think if you're going, like, if you're at a restaurant where there's a bar, like, you could just go right up to that, then that's not unusual, I feel like. I feel like people will do that fairly regularly, just go to the bar and eat on their own. And maybe, because at least, like, the, you can ostensibly be seen as, oh, they're just, like, hanging out, like, maybe talk to the bartender or something like that. But I guess it's, like, different if you're, like, at a table or a booth and you're just by yourself, possibly. So when I have, right. like, gone out for food on my own, it, I typically just go, like, straight to the bar just because, oh, I mean, that's just me personal and my choice because I don't want to, like, really take up a table for myself since it's just going to be me. But is that I mean, a guilt thing? Is I mean, that... I mean that's more just like a, I don't want to like take up space where like a table for four can be used for up to four, and if it's just one person sitting there, then it just kind of seems like a waste, you know. But so... you're a paying patron. You shouldn't feel guilt. You're. you're I mean, I'm a paying patron of the restaurant. I mean, I'm I'm a patron too, but like I know I've been in a situation where like you're waiting for a table and sometimes it can take a while and you see like just like two people sitting at a table and you're just like they're just like hurried up because you're like you got a group of like four or five or whatever and you kind of like want them to hurry up so at least i know that i'm not doing that for other people you know because i've right. i've been in like the annoyed waiting customer situation there's not there's not anything you can do about it once you're waiting but i don't know it's kind of like the same idea where you know you get this is this is a bit of a stretch but say like you're at the crosswalk and the sign to cross the street flashes up i typically like run or at least go at like a brisk pace across because i get really annoyed when people just take their sweet ass time like <laughs> slowly moving the one foot the front of the other i mean it's one thing if they're like if it's like an old person like totally yeah right old people <laughs> don't move fast my grandma does not move fast there's there are reasons but if you're like a college student then it's just like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of that but, comes from working on a college campus too, probably, but that's me. Uh, I feel like my favorite part of this conversation so far is that your life feels like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I 
mean, I did grow up in New Jersey and was in mm. New York City a bunch too, so uh, maybe not as much as Seinfeld, but like, I guess I do have that sort of mannerism where, especially when I'm walking around in the city, I I try to like find some way to get around. I don't like people going slowly, you know. <laughs> do you think that there's kind of like a societal pressure uh, to that pe- people who are going out and doing things on their own that there's like a, pr- a pressure for people to be together with other people. Like if you're single, you're doing life wrong kind of attitude. I don't know. I mean, I do think that there is something to that. And it, it, it's kind of understandable that there, there's this like pressure to like do things with other people. And as I think I've said before, like I, I do enjoy doing things with other people. Don't get me wrong. I, I love hanging out with friends. I love uh, like when I've been in relationships, I've enjoyed being in relationships and going with, doing activities with other people but you don't really need that per se and it did take me like a little while to like get used to that uh, so part of my backstory is that uh, I had dated a girl uh, from about the second semester of, of when I started my undergrad until a couple years after we had graduated so it was about six years and we had been doing uh, I mean we had been doing long distance for the last two years and it wasn't working out so we split up, and then um, several months later, I got a new job down in Atlanta, where I didn't really know anyone outside of like one or two people. So once I moved down here, it was not only like starting like this new a new like single life, even though I had already begun, but like starting a new single life, and also not really having a friend network necessarily all around. I mean, it's I would say it's a lot easier these days than it would have been if I had moved to Atlanta even 10 years ago just because right. I can always call people and communicate online and whatever to with like friends from home but like so I moved from Baltimore where I was living around a whole bunch of people that I went to college with so it was I already had a friend network there so I had to like find some way to like make friends as an adult which <laughs> can be a bit of a pain in the ass because it's hard to meet people, you know? It's <laughs> uh, There are people you work with who, like, you know, you get along with. Sometimes you hang out, sometimes you don't. And they're, they're fine people, but, like, you need to, like, find other people as well, you know? So it was a matter of me finding some justification for doing things on my own while also, like, trying to befriend more people, you know? That makes any sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's a that's an interesting concept, like making friends in the 21st century that aren't on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like when you move to Atlanta, what like what kind of stuff would you do? Like where would you meet people? Um, well, there's this website called Meetup.com actually, uh, where you get you could just there are all these groups that you can join that just do particular activities or just are in the same age group and do the similar activities. Like I'm in a 20 to 30 somethings group around Atlanta and you know we get together to do you know, it's, it's like trivia bowling uh, went to Six Flags um, just any any kind of kind of activity and you get to know people that way you start like meeting up again outside the group while still participating in group activities because you're still want to maintain all that as well and meet even more people so it provides a good base for like a community that you can get involved with I think and um, actually, I'd heard, heard the funny this. thing. The funny thing is that I'd heard about this. Um, well, one I'd heard about it from a friend. So I, the, the one friend who I knew down here, who I went to high school with, 
it was kind of funny because I hadn't spoken to him really since we graduated high school like eight years ago. And it wasn't like uh, we don't like each other thing. It was just he went to undergrad in Illinois and I went to undergrad in Pennsylvania. And I also my, my family moved out from where I grew up. So I was just never really back around there. But, you know, we were on good terms. So um, I moved down here and we were out to dinner I was, and I was meeting his girlfriend who was eventually his fiance and she had mentioned this website meetup.com because she had moved down here first before he had moved down here so she had needed to find a way to meet up with people so I'd heard mm-hmm. about it from her and then like um, I'm not sure it was like it might have been like a month after or sometime in that same time period I was listening to a podcast with um, Carson Sestouli and Jeff Sullivan and at some point, that same website, meetup.com, came up. Because I guess when um, Jeff had moved to Portland, Oregon, he had used meetup.com to meet up with, like, all new, with new friends. Because, again, it's hard to, like, find people to, get, find people to like, be friends with when you're an adult. Especially in Jeff's case, where, he's, like, where he, a lot of his work is done at home. So it was interesting that yeah, I was able to hear is... about it from different sources. Like, totally different. Right. I feel like with living in this age of social media and the internet, it's easy to have this kind of artificial feeling of connection as well, rather than having this actual in-person thing that people were forced to do before, because that's all that existed. Um, I don't know if like there, you have like a take on that, like where, um, we get this kind of social stimulus from the internet rather than in person. And that like, I don't know, leads us to feel like we need that in our lives all the time. I guess, I guess uh, there, there's definitely some logic to that because, you know, you go on Facebook, you see what everybody is doing and some of it's interesting. A lot of it is not. And some of it is just people with terrible political takes, but (laughs) (laughs) a lot of it is people with bad political takes. Let's be real. It's Facebook. Still, you see people doing like all these sort of life events and you're like, Oh, well, like I kind of wish like I could be doing something like that. And because like, I don't know. It depends, like, I guess how many people, like, you're friends with on Facebook, but it can feel like a lot of people are doing a lot of things and you're not doing anything, when in reality, that's just, like, a small fraction of the people that you're friends with that are posting about doing something on this particular night, you know? Right. So, in reality, there are a whole bunch of people that are also just, you know, sitting on their ass scrolling on Facebook or out on their phone scrolling on Facebook. Yeah. And is like, is there a problem with sitting around and doing nothing, I guess, like relaxing? I don't think there's a problem with doing nothing at all. And I know some people, even like for vacations, like obviously you'd like to be able to go somewhere, um, hang out with people, but you don't have to. I know people that have done like staycations where like they just took vacation day to do things on their own or just, whether it's just catching up on errands that's like hard to take care of because uh, for some reason, like a lot of the places that are like, you know, your DMVs and your uh, post offices that are only open when people are working and that doesn't make any sense. So like (laughs) taking care of all that, but also just like, if you just want to do nothing, want to like laze around all day, whatever you can do that. It's your vacation day. You're allowed. And also like vacations cost money. So you're saving Very money true. that way too. I'd always yeah. rather go somewhere because I do like using money that I have to like go see as much as I can. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think if a Generation X person is listening to this, mm-hmm. which hopefully they are, yeah, um, like spirit man, 
Do they? <laughs> do they? Do they already not like this discussion because millennials like us have more means to make friends, make connections? Uh, we're already, you know, a socialite generation because we have so many more means to be social. But then we have what, like, do they care that we have trouble making a connection with someone where we can text them and say, hey, you want to hang out tonight? Because that that is a kind of awkward conversation for someone that you maybe have never hung out with before. It's it's a weird concept to approach. It is. And I, and I think, I mean, I guess some, it, it'll vary as always from one Gen Xer to one Gen Xer, one baby boomer to another baby boomer, because they just had different ways of doing things, you know, and they, when you're growing, when you're in high school in the eighties, like you call people to be like, Hey, what's up? Whereas like now I don't like answering the phone. I'd rather talk to people over text, you know? Seriously. Yeah. It was like, Making a phone call is, like, the most, I don't want to say it's, like, the most stressful thing, but it's, like, oh, I got to have to actually talk to people and think on my feet, you know, and actually say something, you know, versus, like, texting, you know, you can, like, spell it all out. I mean, sometimes, like, the context won't always be clear, but uh, that's getting aside from the point. Um, it's possible that, yeah, being that we have such ways to communicate with as many people as possible, it's, like, well, what are you waiting for? And it's, like, you can... And some of them, I think some of them do kind of wonder, like, why don't you just, like, go to the bar to just meet people? And I guess you have to have that certain, um, I'm trying to think of the word, yeah, that certain extroverted quality to be okay with just approaching someone and being like, hey, what's up? And some people can do that, but not everyone can. And I don't, I don't think that I really can do that either. Like, I don't really like, like, just going up to someone random and saying, hey, what's up? Unless there's a particular reason that I'm doing it, you know? I think tying it into the like this podcast's thesis too is that it even I find it really difficult to you know go to a bar and talk to somebody because it's uh, the type of people you meet sitting at a bar frequently don't have the best opinions on certain things. So sometimes I just get tired of talking to them really quickly, but. The whole point of this podcast is to welcome all opinions and stuff like that. So maybe it's some sort of takeaway I can I can learn from all this that maybe because you shouldn't. If there's one thing I want people to take away from this podcast, it's that if somebody shares an opinion with you and it's not an opinion you hold. You shouldn't write them off fully like you shouldn't write their full character off completely because that opinion isn't a full reflection of their character. So I don't it's know. A, if... There's also, there are also things to learn from why people hold their opinions that you don't agree with. And I think by, you know, opening up to those kinds of conversations of and this is getting like real meta on our podcast, but if you open yourself up to those conversations that you wouldn't normally have, you kind of can become more comfortable with people having different opinions than you and learning things from them. Yeah, and I think sometimes when we customize our Facebook and Twitter timelines, we can say like, oh, I don't really want to hear from that person because I don't like what they're saying. But like, unless they're like oversharing like these terrible Kurt Schilling memes, then (laughs) 
Yeah, then I think like you should like at least consider it. Or if in a more of a real world world perspective where like someone's talking to you and they're going on about something you don't agree with, you could it's okay to like hear them out a little bit and then uh, accept that like okay, we just kind of disagree on this, you know. And I feel like there's not really enough of that discussion, you know. It's like one way or the other. And it's very black and white, you know. Right. And I think uh, especially looking at the polarizing views on the latest American election, you kind of get those, those polarized opinions get the most play. And so it's very difficult to hear the moderate opinions in the sea of really loud noise on both sides of the fence. Yeah. And I think that that, if I may like step into the political boundaries a little bit, (laughs) I think that might be like one of the reasons why like the Democrats lost the election because they tended to paint all the, of the Donald Trump supporters as the same. And that's just not true. You know, I mean, you can, you can criticize maybe that they were by voting for this candidate, they were supporting policies, even if they didn't really agree with it, but they were supporting those policies because they voted for that guy. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that paints them in that target entirely. And I mean, no, it, it, and, and this is coming from someone who voted for Hillary Clinton too. So. Yeah. No, and everyone has their own opinion as to why they would vote X or vote Y or why they choose to do activity X or activity Y. Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation gets lost because people turn into um, like the, that one opinion, like you become a Trump supporter, that's like part of your identity, or you become a Clinton supporter, that's part of your identity. And that can kind of wall you off. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind me asking, I'm going to backpedal a bit. Uh, yeah. What's How old are you? I'm 26. Do you... You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Are you actively looking for dates? Yeah, I, I'm on... Like, I'm on, like, dating apps and stuff like that. Um, I would say, like, at this present moment, it's not, like, my... Everything about my life, you know? Um, right. I feel... Like, I feel like... At this point, yes, it would. Be, I think that would be nice. That'd be fun to be in a relationship again. And I have like gone on several dates since, um, like, my girlfriend and I from college broke up, and I've even been in like, I haven't been in like uh, a full relationship since then, but I've been in like those sort of like month-long pre-relationship things where you're you're going on dates and then it just doesn't really work out for whatever reason. So. I would say, like, yeah, I'm actively, like, looking for a relationship, but it's if, if I don't get one, it's not going to, like, ruin everything about my life at this moment. Right, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, leading up to this podcast, I was, I was worried about my relatability to the topic, which um, has happened with other episodes that we're recording as well. But with this one in particular, I was worried about where I could relate. But, like... I've been to movies by myself. I feel weird about it a little. Uh, I go to dinners by myself. I feel a little weird about it, but I enjoy myself nonetheless. And I would appreciate if the stigma wasn't there because occasionally, you know, nobody's around or I don't really want to bug people or sometimes I want to do something alone. But I've been with a person for, uh, like I've been with a, partner for basically eight years consecutively um and 
sometimes I don't, this is, I don't, I don't want to get too heavy, but it's sometimes I feel like, um, you know, you're pressured into thinking, find the person, settle down. And, you know, I'm not feeling especially young anymore. I'm nearing the age that my mother had her first child. So sometimes I feel that societal pressure as well to settle down and have kids and stuff. Um, Do you feel a certain pressure to do this? Or do you, are you completely content living a single life? If you, if you continued to be single, would that be a detriment to who Andrew is? Um, I mean, it depends for like how long it stretches on, you know, it's, it's not a problem for me right now at uh, 26 years old living in Atlanta. Um, If I'm, if I'm like still um, single and just floating along and doing nothing when I'm 30, then uh, yeah, uh, (laughs) there's definitely going to be something like a lot of self-evaluation then. And maybe I shouldn't laugh now because maybe that'll happen. Who knows what life will do? But no, but I mean, but no, I, I understand what you're saying about like societal pressures because you know I, I'm sort of in the same situation where I think it was around this time in my mom's life when she had my older sister. So, and like my my sister and my brother-in-law. My sister's three years older than me. My sister and my brother-in-law have been married for um, five years. Yeah almost six years and they just had their first kid. But I, I guess I'm in a fortunate situation where I have a really healthy relationship with my, with my parents where they're not going to do something like that. where like, like kind of like nudge on the elbow, like, all right, hurry up or anything like that. They understand that, like, uh, what, like that I'm just doing my own thing. And I think they're very supportive of that. So that's helpful in that sense. But I, it's very. I do know that those societal pressures exist. I mean, when I was, when I was dating my previous girlfriend, like even though it was a few years ago and we were younger, we had still been dating for six years. And I feel like a lot of people like don't really date for six years without eventually that leading to like marriage or anything like that. But it's not like we really had that in mind yet because we were still really young. So, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a, I feel like especially for people that are older, they have like this idea of like, well, what are they waiting for? But I mean, I, I know some people that were dating for like uh, almost 10 years before they got engaged and some people that are still just dating or like they're in just long-term serious relationships that have lasted a long time. And I know it feels like there is like that societal pressure to like settle down, but you, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should have to like cave into it. I mean, it's, it's interesting to talk about like the feeling of judgment as you were talking about, Mike, that like going to a movie, people are watching you and judging you or going to dinner by yourself and people are watching and judging you. And then if you're walking around single and not settled down by 27 or 28 or whatever arbitrary date you want to set, um, that like there's a societal judgment, like it eternal clock that's looking over top of you. So you're not going to family functions and having any of that brought up by even your elderly um, family members? I mean, they might ask if I'm seeing anyone, but there's not like, I guess, any other kind of pressure from that. And there's no implication that it's like, so, Andrew, 
you're you're still not seeing yeah. anyone like there's none of that not really i don't think so okay. i mean i guess it has only been like a couple of years since um my last relationship ended but uh not yet really so i guess that's good <laughs> uh this might be too much conjecture but do you think your sister would have received the same uh treatment that you're getting can you say that again do you think your sister would have received the same treatment? Um, or do you think she would have been pressured more is, is kind of what I'm implying. I think in my family, she would have received the same treatment. I think so. I mean, I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure that they're the type of people that wouldn't play any like favorites based on gender. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's so, like, it's kind of interesting for me to think about now that you mention it since like, I mean, I have um, uh, nine cousins, and all the ones who are uh, female married a little younger, but that's just how their relationships worked out, versus, like, uh, the guys who have married. Um, my oldest cousin married when he was 30. Um, my second oldest male cousin is still single, and he's, like, 35. And my third oldest male cousin got married when he was uh, just about to turn thirty, I think. So, I mean, maybe it, maybe it's just maybe it's a path that I don't know how it would be treated because it just never came up with um, someone around my age who was still single, you know. Right. Ellie and, and a girl, you know. Right. And you hear a lot about people. Um, people need to be by themselves to have personal growth or. Um, develop really find out who they are and you see people like you were saying on Facebook traveling the world and trying to quote find themselves Um, have you had do you feel like by having this single time that you've learned more about yourself than you would have if you were in a relationship this time I think so I mean it's been it's been good sort of being away from it all and that, that was kind of one of the the pluses that I had looked at when I had been looking to move from Baltimore. I had been looking for a job on and off for about a year. And for a while, I had just been mostly focusing on still the Northeast because uh, my girlfriend was there. But then once we broke up, that sort of gave me the freedom to be like, well, I can pretty much go anywhere. So when this opportunity came up in Atlanta, I was I was fine. I was uh, I was up for taking it because it's a new challenge, new opportunity, and I feel like it's hard for people to move to new places where they don't know people. And I was curious to see how I would react. So I think it has been good, like getting getting that like period of self reflection and assessment, and um, I guess getting a better scope of like what I feel comfortable with and how, like how I can go through life. And it is kind right. of interesting too because. I'm living on my own, and I actually had been living on my own for a few years because after after I graduated college, I had moved to Baltimore, and my girlfriend at the time had moved to New York to work in uh, the city. So we were both living like on our own, even though we were in a relationship. So I've been basically I've been living on my own since um, basically my last year of college, and a lot of people don't really live on their own, even like now, like they'll live with roommates and. To, obviously, I can definitely understand that from an economic standpoint because you save right. money on rent. And, um, but I don't mind paying extra for, I guess, getting the extra personal space, you know? Okay. So do you think that's kind of like, um, 
What's the biggest takeaway that you've had in this period of self-reflection for Andrew? The biggest takeaway? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just very comfortable with who I am right now. And I guess sometimes people might have to go through like a personal journey or something like that. I mean, it sounds like bullshit, but it's a little bit true, you know, is it's hard to really know who you are. If you're all of your attachments are on people that are like really close and around you. And maybe, maybe, maybe you can get a good scope of it. Maybe not, but I mean, I don't know. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a, that's a bit of a kind of a bad answer, but <laughs> oh, no, it's uh it's kind of true. Yeah, no, I think I could certainly relate to that. I don't know. I think most people can. Mm-hmm. So, being a, being attached to to someone for so long, I have not caught wind much of the new dating app crazes and stuff like Tinder and Bumble. I don't know if there's any more. Even I'm sure there's more. But Those are the more. two I know. Uh, have you run into these? And how are they going? Well, I, I mean, when I so when I start, when I broke up with my girlfriend, um, I had no idea about any of these apps too because we had started dating um, in the beginning of 2009, and so pretty much all the period from then on up until when we broke up was when the dating apps really got big. So it was it, it was an interesting experience for me to like learn about all these that are out there. And I can say that um, there are way, way too many people on Tinder for you to actually really find anything if, if you're, like, I guess if, if you're just, if you're a guy. I mean, maybe, like, if, maybe if you look like um, Orlando Bloom or, um, John, or Kit Harrington, then maybe you don't have the, maybe you don't have, like, that problem. But I feel like... I don't like even know who that t- second person was. He's Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'm not a yeah, I almost, guy. Snow, I almost said John Snow <laughs> Kit Harrington, but that's who he is. Uh, <laughs> but um, I feel like it's harder to meet people like if for anything serious on Tinder. And a lot of times you'll just run into bots, too. So uh, not really. Really? They put bots like onto Tinder? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you'll, you'll match with like, hey, you should find me on this thing. And there's this, like bullshit link. So, you know. But, what? Yeah. How does it even? I don't know. I. How does hey, it work? Hey, there, there are bots on like OkCupid okay and everything like that too. So. Right. And OkCupid, okay I've used as well. I mean, OkCupid's okay been around because it's a site, and you know, then it became that. And then they also have an app, and I have had like pretty good dates from that. It's just a matter of like finding the right person and making like a whole bunch of introductions and trying to make them all unique so that it doesn't obviously look like, oh, I just sent this to, like, 50 people and we're going to see who answers, you know? So mm. um, that's that's its own experience. Bumble I've used, too. Um, and that's another... That's I feel I'm more interested by Bumble. I do have Bumble on my phone because, just because, like, the girl will have to, like, send the first message and pretty much every time that you're on an app, it's the guy who has to make, like, a good first impression unless there's a... Um, uh, a girl who's just a real go-getter, which, you know, I encourage, you know, you can, you can message first, I don't care. But um, a lot of times the guy has to make the first, like, message or whatever. And on Bumble, it's the, only the girl can send it. So, and you, you, you only match up if, if, like, you both match up and then she has to send you the message. You the guys can't send the first message on Bumble. So I'm kind of interested by that. 
Do they? Hmm. <laughs> Do you get messages often on Bubble? I mean, it depends on how often I'm actually using the app. Like that's fair. Yeah, like as as I've said, like in the past like couple months, um, I've been like kind of on and off about using the dating apps. I mean, I, I just kind of got a little exhausted of it a few months ago. To be fair, like I did, I had like a. I was talking to this girl on OkCupid for about a month, and we had gone on some dates, and then I just wasn't feeling it, so um, I I broke it off, and then I connected with another girl on OkCupid, and, and sort of the same thing. We went we went on a few dates, and I thought that was going well, but then she wanted to break it off, so I was like, okay, uh, well that's that's probably karma, you know? So just <laughs> what it is, and so at this point, I'm just like, well, whatever, well. We'll see what happens. I'll just like casually check uh, these dating apps and see if anything comes from that. And if not, then we'll see when I'm next feeling up for sending a whole bunch of messages on OkCupid because that's, that takes time as well. So, Yeah, and I guess an interesting question around the dating apps that are out now. Do you feel like that kind of... Um, going back to what we were talking about before with going out and doing things on your own, like it allows you to segregate time in your life for dating. Like I'm going to be on these apps now because I feel like I can, you know, have, put the time towards going on dates and this kind of stuff. And then when you're not, you just delete it off your phone and there goes your dating life kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it kind of depends like with, like in terms of which apps, like, I would say like the most connections I've gotten has been through just OkCupid because that's where you can make a long message and try to connect with people uh, versus like in like Bumble and um, Coffee Meets Bagel, which is another app that I use um, where you're just like seeing pictures and a brief description and stuff and maybe you'll make a connection, maybe not, but there are so many people on those apps that, you know, a lot of people get like, girls will have like plenty of swipes to choose from. Generally, I would say, maybe I'm mm -hmm. wrong, but um, so w when I when I'm not like sending a whole bunch of messages on OkCupid, uh, some I'm occasionally checking Bumble, and then uh, the way Coffee Meets Bagel works is that every day at around noon, I think you get a um, you get a potential match that they think would work based on like who your face like Facebook based on like your Facebook interests and your uh, maybe sometimes who you're friends with and they try to produce someone and like if you you can like choose to match it or no and then then if you match up then you can send messages so that's just like a more specialized app that is it's easier to handle because you only get like one or two people a day that they'll send you so it's easy to just right. like go on that once like swipe left swipe right whatever and then you're done for the day. So I, I do that fairly regularly as well. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Andrew. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Perfect. Thanks, Our man. guest today was Andrew Mearns. He's a editor for Pinstripe Alley, an SB Nation blog, and a writer for Baseball Prospectus Mets site. Uh, thanks again.